welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, And the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gapatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, 
do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thanks, Den, for that brilliant reading. So powerful. When I knew I was going to speak on Easter Sunday, I um, was praying about what I should speak on. And I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to speak on the words, it is finished. And I thought, my goodness, am I going to preach on that? Three words. Seems a bit (laughs) difficult. Anyway, let's see how we get on. Three words. It is finished. And uh, what I began to think about was that if we say something is finished, then equally, if something's finished, something else starts. And the cross and Jesus dying on the cross is the most significant event in the calendar for Christians. And Easter is that event that we are here thanking God for this morning. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at five things that finished when Jesus died on the cross and we'll look at five things that started. So we're looking backwards and we're looking forwards because remember, the cross wasn't the end. Jesus died on the Friday. He said, it is finished. But on the Sunday, he rose again and something else started. So what finished When Jesus died on the cross, when he said those words, it is finished and gave up his ghost, gave up the the spirit, what finished? All the Old Testament prophecies that were right from Genesis through Isaiah 
through Abraham, right up to the New Testament. 300 prophecies about Jesus were fulfilled in that moment when he died on the cross. Go and read Isaiah chapter 53. It tells the same story that Den just read to us a minute ago. It tells the story hundreds of years before Jesus died. All those prophecies that were brought in the Old Testament came together as Jesus died on the cross. What else finished? What finished was the law. Up to that point, the high priest had to offer sacrifices for the people's sins. All that finished when Jesus died on the cross. Why did it finish? Because he is our perfect sacrifice. When John saw him, the first thing he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No longer was the temple, we'd looked at the temple a few weeks ago, no longer was the temple and all the sacrifices in place, no longer was there a high priest. Jesus is our great high priest. Hallelujah. It all changed. No longer a day of atonement once a year. Jesus is made our eternal atonement by his death on the cross. Hallelujah. We know the symbol of the curtain in the temple being torn from top to bottom, symbolizing access for us into God's presence. No longer the high priest is the only one that can go into God's presence. Now it is open for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. Suddenly, everything changes. Thirdly, the power of sin and Satan is destroyed at the cross. Once and for all. The power of sin and Satan, the curse of the law is broken. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He was our substitute. He took what we deserved. Our debt was paid once and for all. Now, the Greek word, I'm not particularly good with Greek or Hebrew or anything like that, but this just blessed me so much. The Greek word for it is finished is a... Very good. You said it better than I could. Tetelesi, something like that anyway. What does it mean? What it means is paid in full. Paid in full. It is finished Paid in full. You know, when you had an invoice that was sent to you in those days, they used to stamp on it, Tetelesi, paid in full. And then if anyone came to you and said, you haven't paid that, you said, yes, I have. Here's the bill. It's stamped with the word, paid in full. Listen, when the enemy attacks you and tells you you're not good enough, when he attacks you and tells you salvation is not real, you hold it up and you say to him, paid in full. I am free because Jesus took all my sin on the cross. He paid everything in that one moment. He took all our sin on his shoulders in that one moment. 
forever. The sin that you did yesterday, the sin that you will do today, and the sin that you will do tomorrow are taken on Jesus' body for all time. You have to come against the enemy with truth. The truth is he's paid the price. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we have fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of God's glory. All of us. No excuses. No exceptions. But he has paid for all of us. All have fallen short. He has paid for all of us. Hallelujah. It is finished. Paid in full. Just going to read some verses from Romans. Chapter 8. So, now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. There can't be any condemnation if it's paid in full. You can only be condemned for something that hasn't been paid. And Jesus says, I've paid it all. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Hallelujah. The power of sin and Satan were finished. Fourthly, Jesus' suffering was finished. There was a release at the cross for Jesus. Just reading the chapter 19 that um, Den read earlier, abused, spat upon, whipped, jeered at, laughed at, made fun of, let down, separated from Father. All that was finished. And lastly, Jesus' life was finished. It says in John 19, he gave up the ghost. Really important. He gave it up. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it up. This was an act of will by Jesus. So selfless. It will never be repeated. The Bible tells us God will never ask him to sacrifice himself again. God's will for his son was complete. Don't see Jesus as a martyr 
His death was not something that could have been prevented. His death was the very reason he came. It was the very reason. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to be crucified. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, for one last time he said to God, God, can you take this cup from me? It was in the garden that he decided, not my will, which would be any other way, but your will. In the garden, the cross was sorted. Not my will, but your will. What was God's will? That he had to die that we might live. He had to take all the sin of all the people on his shoulders in that one moment. That is why he came. Luke 19 verse 10 says, He came to seek and save that which was lost. Not those who were lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. What is that? It's relationship with God. What was lost in the garden was man's relationship with God. They walked in the cool of the day. They walked together. God's whole great plan of salvation was that Jesus would come and restore our relationship with God once and for all that had been broken by man's sin. There was only one way to do it, which was to send Jesus to die for us. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. He died that you might live. He died to set us free. Hallelujah. So, five things that finished, five things that started. Grace started. At that moment. Grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Because the the thief on the cross next to Jesus was the first person to be saved by grace. He recognized who he was. Jesus, you're the son of God. I deserve to be here, but you don't deserve it. He knew who Jesus was. And in that moment, Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. How does that work? Where is the high priest? Where is the forgiveness of sin? It's right there on the cross. Jesus, the great high priest. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world in that moment. I've heard people argue he didn't deserve it. The thief on the cross, he deserved to be there. 
Why should Jesus show him grace in that moment? None of us deserve it. We're all sinners. Saved by grace. There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing. You may think you're better than the next person, but you're not. There is nothing you can do. The thief on the cross had faith. Faith. And he's with Jesus. Hallelujah. I love it. I love it. In that moment, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawmakers, the rulers have completely misunderstood what Jesus was all about. They're the ones that have sent him to the cross. They didn't even recognize the Messiah. And yet they knew the scriptures inside out. And yet the thief on a cross can have a moment of faith and recognize who Jesus is. And he is saved and he's in paradise with Jesus that very day. Hallelujah. There is hope for me. There is hope for you. There is hope for the people out there who don't know Jesus. Why? Because his grace is available from this moment for the world. Jew or Gentile. Greek or Roman. American, South African, Australian. Sinners. Saved by grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was only one line on my notes. Where did all that come from? (laughs) Okay, that's number one. Number two. The reconciliation of God and man started. At the cross, God's great plan of salvation. We just read in Romans 8 there is now therefore no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making this appeal through us we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God Through Christ. That's what this is all about. We are being made right with God through Christ. If we're being made right, something is wrong. 
You can't be made right if it's not wrong in the first place. What's wrong? Sin has come in and broken our relationship with God. Jesus comes and he says, I'm coming to put right that which is wrong. What is that? I want to restore your relationship with Jesus. This is a moment of restoration. God's plan right from the beginning, from Genesis, when sin came into the world, he knew what was going to have to happen. Romans 3.21 God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we're all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This is why Jesus came, to make us right with God, to make a way back to our God. Romans 5 verse 11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. It says in Ephesians, you were enemies. But now we have been made friends of God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to transform you from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful salvation. Okay, number four. We have free access to God's presence. We've already mentioned this a little bit. Whether Jew or Gentile, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died, signifying no longer was God's presence just for the high priest or just for the Jewish people, but free access now for everyone. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can go into God's presence. You can talk to him. You can pray to him. He is with you at work, at home, at school, wherever, out walking. Free access to God's presence. Peter, 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So the righteous, Jesus, for the unrighteous, that's us, that he might bring us to God. This is all about reconciliation, that God wants to reconcile man to him again through Jesus. Now we have access into God's presence. Okay, lastly, Death no longer has dominion. It has lost its sting. We have transformed from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. This is really important. 
when Jesus went into the tomb, when he went into the uh, tomb and, and, and the um, stone was rolled across, Satan thought he had won the day. Finally, Jesus was dead, crucified. But today, the stone is rolled away. Hallelujah. And Mary goes to look for him. And there is that wonderful phrase in the Gospels that says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Hallelujah. I love that. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. Death no longer holds him. But he is risen forever. Corinthians, it says, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Hallelujah. We will be raised, just as we sang in that song a little while ago. We will be raised with him I read earlier from Philippians tells us that Jesus became lower than the angels he came to earth as a slave he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross but now God has exalted him hallelujah and given him the place of highest honour and the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And that's our response. When we look at what Jesus did on the cross, there is only one response, and that is to worship him. Say, thank you, Jesus. What you did was amazing. It is finished. My debt is paid in full. Your debt is paid in full. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take communion together. I just pray that as we take communion, as we worship together again, that what Jesus did would just rest in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Lord Jesus, you are a wonderful saviour. <laughs> Thank you that you put your will to one side to be obedient to the Father and that you died that we might live. And in living, Jesus, we want to come back as your people and give you all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. And we want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid my price. Thank you that you paid my brother and sister's price. Paid in full. Blessed be your name.
Ali, do you want to come back? Ali, do you want to tell Mum that uh, we're doing communion because I want the kids to come back in? I'm going to ask the uh, children to come back in so we can take communion together. As uh, families, if you've got children. Luke 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said to them, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. As we come this morning and take the bread and the wine, he poured his blood out as a sacrifice for you. He paid the debt that you owed, that you could never pay back. He paid it all. Hallelujah. Let's take the bread and wine together and worship once more.